With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you're listening. Or watching. Or watching this latest episode of Turfcast Podcast with me, Joe Redman, and my good friend, Simon Townley. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good. Do you know what I've just realised? I've never listened to us on the podcast before. Um, well, I've listened should, to you. You should really start, yeah. Do you know, like, when it was the early days, and I think there was, like, I think I've only missed two or three ever, and... Um, I listened back to them. I think I was working somewhere, so I've listened to them. I just realised how shit it must sound when I go, oh, watching. Because, <laughs> obviously, if you see me on the camera, it's me just, like, frantically thinking, oh, shit, it's my bit. Oh, watching. But then, yeah, when you're hearing that, it must be like, come on, sir, put some effort in. Yeah. Um, but if you were watching, you'd realise that's kind of part of it. It forgets, so I like to throw him under the bus every single week, and then he just labours towards it. So that that's part of the fun, really, and, that, and that's yeah. why we do it. We're all about fun here. People always say they like our our rawness uh, yeah. and things like that, and that's exactly what it is. It's just Simon being an idiot, me not being arsed, and we just just raw at the end of the day. Um, how have you been, mate? You all right? Oh, good, mate. Just uh, keeping going, keeping trucking. Oh, you've been up too much this week, then? Uh, seems weeks seem to have got busy again for you, I think. Yeah, working, end of season haircuts for some of the players. They're all going on their jollies, seeing the families, some of them. Aye. Some of them don't have families lucky, around here. So. Yeah. Uh, Portugal's going to be a popular place. If you're a football fan, just go to Portugal. Yeah, you will see your stars if if you go to Portugal in the next two, three weeks, because um, that's when they're all going away. Then they're all going to quickly fly back for the Euros if they're involved in that. And if not, then they'll probably just stay out there. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so that's been me, man, just doing them haircuts at the minute. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, as you can see at the bottom of your screen, we have a partnership with Mystery Sports. 
uh, and they are uh, one of these brands that supplies mystery football shirt boxes. Uh, they're all the rage at the minute. And if you head to mysterysport.com and use the code TURFCAST, you can get 10% off a Mystery Sports football shirt box. Obviously, me and Simon opened one on stream a couple of weeks ago. I still need to get that clipped up. Sorry, Mystery Sport guys, if you are watching this, I will be sending you the video as soon as possible. Um, I, f- I forget the shirt. Severe and a Macedonian team for me. Mark Howarth has done one, and I'm not even going to say the shirt. Wolfsburg, was it? But he shouted it. Well, he shouted it. He told me I got it wrong last week on Twitter, but I don't know if that's that's still wrong or if that's still right. Yeah. I can't remember, Mark. I, I think it's wrong. Think and he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna put the one where Joe Evan gets it wrong again. Um, but we all, we do always ask the people that have um, uh, used the mystery sports, uh, sorry, the, the the mystery sport football shirt box cord, bit of a mouthful, to um, to let us know uh, what what shirts you what shirts you've received, what shirts you've received, uh, so we can sort of like tell people what what you received. Mark Diddy sent us a picture. Uh, we've had a few more been used this week as well, so we've had quite a few used, and only Mark has been in touch and told us um, what shirt he's got. So if you are watching this and you are a a, 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 a regular a regular listener, um, and you know that we want you to tell us what shirt you've got, then please let us know what shirt you've got. We'll we'll give it a retweet and give you a shout out on the next podcast and let people know what shirt you've got. And if you include a picture, uh, we can share that one as well. Werder Bremen. That's it. It's German. It begins with W. It, they're both green. It's it's an obvious mistake. Werder Bremen. I think so anyway. I think so anyway. Um, but yeah, that's it for the um, niceties and all the, all the boxes ticked. Let's get into the nitty gritty uh, part of the podcast. And it was... Um, a typical end of season performance for Burnley against Sheffield United this weekend. Obviously, the Clarets lost out 2 0 against what I said on the, the watch along, like one of the worst teams, um, probably easily in the top 10 worst teams in the Premier League uh, history this season. I think Sheffield United have been. I don't know where they are in terms of points total, but they've just been shite all season. Let's not beat around the bush. They've been pretty, pretty poor. Henderson, a big loss. Obviously, Saki Wilder as well, halfway through the season. Eckingbottom's not a Premier League quality manager. But he's got a feather in his cap now because he's beaten Sean Dyche. But it's a typical end of Burnley, uh, end of season Burnley performance, isn't it? It seems to be every single year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that this is the case. However, it did feel a case of the last day at school when you think, "Fuck it, I'm not doing my work." Yeah. I'm, not doing, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying that the players thought I'm not putting a shift in. But I just think there's all without that drive of. We need to win. Burnley are always, yeah, too complex. I mean, the the recent years of cup runs have proven that if there is not a you know fat or flat in it, we don't seem to survive. We don't seem to flourish. Um, and and that was the case here. Yeah, I think it was a case of two teams that weren't really playing for anything, mm. but Chef you got that goal, which we'll go into soon, mm-hmm. and then none of us knew what to do with after that. No, um, I don't think none of us really knew what to do before it. Uh, they yeah. managed to get the goal, as you said, we, we will go into. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about sort of like the... the not necessarily Last saying day. that the players didn't want to put a shift in, but it's just a case of... I, I, I think it is... You've hit the nail on the head with the... I think it's a mentality thing. Like, once you've achieved your target, I think they're so target-driven and so, um, you know... Um, 
always about staying up and getting to certain targets and things like that. That once you've hit that target, obviously goalposts can move during the season. That's why obviously a few years ago when we finished seventh, they didn't really tail off in February because a, a new target was was in sight. So they went on and achieved that. But same again when they finished seventh. I think they lost the last two games that season. I remember losing to Bournemouth at home on the last day of the season. It were poor that season. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think it is a sort of like a, a target thing. Like once they've hit that target, there's all that pressure on them as well. To be fair, and more so this season because it, there has been dangers where we've been looking over our shoulder and thinking, hey, well, we could end up being sucked into a battle here. So there's been all that pressure on them to to not go down, to to make sure the club doesn't get sucked into a relegation battle and potentially even go down under no ownership. Some people say that'd be catastrophic. Obviously, we'll, hopefully, we never find out. Um, so I do think there's been a bit more pressure on on them this season staying up than there as usual. So I think once you've hit that target, I just think you naturally take your foot off the gas rather than doing it uh, in a conscious fashion. So I think that's what's happened myself. I think it's more of a, a a natural sort of foot off the gas because the target's been achieved. Well, once we beat Fulham 2-0, which is obviously when we stayed up, yeah. Yeah, we've got beat 4-0, 3-0 and 1-0, which is only a 1-0, but it's against, like you said, the basement club. Yeah. Um, so the proofs in the pudding, we haven't scored a goal since. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Could, some things could be questioned about the 4 5 1, but I'm sure we'll go into that. Yeah, well, that does bring us on nicely. I was going to, before we get into the goal, obviously, we might as well look at look back at the game and look back at the starting point of the game. The, my first reaction when I saw that team news was, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, what is that? What is that team? Why has he gone four five one against the club, the worst club in the Premier League? You know, they're playing potentially Lincoln City away next season, uh, and there's a reason for that because they've been absolutely shambles. And there's no disrespect to Lincoln City, of course. Any Lincoln City fan watching this will be quick to remind us the beaters in the FA Cup a few years. But that's the sort of sort of like level that they're at now. Um, so why would you, when you've got Wooden Vids who? Up until the Fulham game, we're firing on all cylinders, playing really well. It, it, to be fair, even in the Leeds and the Liverpool games, they, they had the chances. Um, and I do think the movement of Vidra, but again, uh, the second half will probably prove me wrong on that one, to be fair, because it, it didn't really do much when he did come on. Um, but maybe the the mentality was already there in terms of the team selection. Um, but I just don't get the reasoning behind playing 4-5-1 away at the team that's already down, finished bottom, probably one of the worst teams in Premier League history. I just don't get that at all. When we play Man United, we played a, we started with four five one if I'm right. Um yeah. and it worked really well. Now horses for courses, certain games, certain players, we've said this exactly. many and many a time on this podcast. Vidra plays certain games, but this is that game. There is no question yeah. about it. You could argue that he is a top pre- championship striker or a Premier League striker, that that is a good argument to have. And I, and I still think it's a valid argument to have. Playing against a championship club, not just by the fact that they've been relegated, but by the way they've played all season. Yeah. Um, and he's not playing him. It's just like, you, you know for a fact he is a top-end championship striker against what is an average championship defence right now, if I'm honest. I don't think they do well in the championship without 11. No, no. So um... why am I playing I I totally agree. Like like you say, it is horses for courses, but you just have to look at it. Even, even if he is, the argument is that he's a top-half championship striker or a very good championship striker. He's still done very well in the last five, six, seven weeks. So on form, all right, he's not been bagging him every single week, but he's worked really well with Woody and started a partnership with Woody that we've been crying out for. Woody's needed it all season. And as soon as Vid comes in, Woody starts banging the goals in and, and stakes a, a very solid claim for player of the year. 
That's 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 because of Vidra's movement. We've been saying that all along. So for Dash to 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 go so cautious against such a poor defense, as you say, it just reeks of. I don't know. Johnny Tate got in touch um, on the Twitter account and did sort of like he weren't fuming. That's why you're oh. laughing because everyone thinks he's fuming when he gets in touch. He weren't fuming. Um, he sort of like said maybe we're trying a new sort of system because um, I can't remember the exact words. Words I'm not got it in front of me, and which is fair enough. That's that's a fair enough point. But I don't think we have the players for that system. And he uh, and even if we do, it's in certain games. Not in games. You don't want to sit back against Sheffield United. Put it that way. Is 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 what I'm saying. You sitting back against your Uniteds and your Liverpools and your Cities. You understand ultimately it hasn't worked uh, against City anyway. But obviously it worked at Liverpool and the Emirates. Um, but coming up against a Sheffield United, you've got to be, you've got to be going for them. Surely, haven't you? There's something wrong there. The fact that we haven't gone with them. That that really it don't sit right with me. To be honest, the the thing that. Goes through my mind, and I know nothing. I always like to clarify that before I go into sort of fucking starting a rumour mill. But I always think, when I look at these things, that is it easier for Dash, who we clearly have all agreed now, finds it better to handle an 11 with a few subs than he does handle a squad. We, I think we can all agree on that, that Johnny Tate brought it to his attention. He struggles to manage depth. He can manage a squad of 11. And then after that, he starts struggling on the man. Yeah, well, the proofs in the pudding look at obviously Gibson and and other players that have not enjoyed being on the bench. 100%. Is it easier then, my question, for Dash to leave out a Vidra right now, even on the form he's on, than to leave out the personalities maybe that are Jack Cork, um, Westwood and Brownhill? Is it harder for him to say to one of them, you ain't playing today, fella? Than it is to say to Vidra, is it the one? Is it that? Is that the case, or is it genuinely? I'm not saying. I mean, a manager of his caliber and quality and experience should be able to handle. You ain't playing, pal. Hmm. But my question is, why else would you play a four-five-one? Because it certainly isn't a tactic that works. If he, if I'm wrong, and it's not a personality thing, and he's thinking, do you know what? We'll just play them three. See, see how they do. Wanting yeah. it to work more than it actually physically working. Maybe he's thinking if we can get these three ticking, that solves all, all his problems. He wouldn't have made this up at half time if he didn't realise it was a tactical error. So maybe it is a tactical error, but I think I, I do think you might be onto something there. With I presume when you say these three, you, you mean obviously the midfield three because that's the three you mentioned at the start of the sentence. Um, but if he could get them three to work. I think the problem with that is the wingers aren't good enough. Dwight's okay. Well, he's more than okay. He's obviously very good on his day. But JBG is not so he's not the winger that's going to do well in a 4-5-1 anyway. You need Pace, oh, yeah. sort of like wingers that are going to get up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even, even, even Dwight doesn't do that as much because he's always having a bit of criticism about getting back. So I don't think Dwight will even fit that system. So a lot of people think that Dwight's best position will be a number 10, but obviously I, I like Dwight on, on far wide on a 4-4-2. I think he does all right there, cutting inside. Um, but I, I don't think we have the players for that system other than maybe the three in the middle. Maybe he has tried to to help them three along. But what I did notice is in them two them two games, the Liverpool game and the Sheffield United game, is Browner was playing the furthest forward of them three. And number 10 Yeah, it, yeah. he's person I'd have that he's the worst on the ball out of them so I love Brownell and I don't get the sticky gets off some Burnley fans mainly the older fans for whatever reason but one one criticism I do have is Brownell he, he isn't as good on the ball as Westy or Cork 
that's why Brownell's good in these games against your bigger clubs. Whereas your Westies and your Corks, you want in the middle when you're playing against teams that you'd expect to attack against. Whereas Brownell's good for me as a defensive sort of midfielder, sitting back, breaking the play down. There's a reason why he's got the second highest most interceptions in the Premier League this season, because he's better in a defensive role. So why Dice is playing at three in the middle and having Brownell the most advanced is just ludicrous to me. Unless Dice has seen something that we haven't, obviously, in training. But Josh Brownell, for me, is more of a... A defensive-minded, like a sort of like a sitting midfielder, rather than an attack-minded midfielder playing in a, a number ten role. I don't see Josh Brownell as a number ten midfielder at all. I'd rather have him on the right hand side of midfield, and that's saying something. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think if you're going to play a four-five-one in this modern day of formations, it usually works quite triangle in midfield, like not triangle. What's the word? Diamond shaped in midfield. It's yeah. usually sort of like a holding and attacking and two central midfielders on a left and a right-hand side, and then you play wing-backs that push on. That tends to be the the, the success of a 4-5-1 because then you have one that drops back into centre-back, which makes it a three in defence when they're attacking. Then you come back and it's five in defence when you're, when you're defending. And yeah. That's the way it seems to have success. But with us, it's just 10 men behind the ball when it's 4-5-1 and with zero outlets because Chris Wood with, with hats off to him has done exceptional this year with the very poor service let's be fair yeah. uh, majority of this season he's done exceptional um, but he ain't that kind of player mate that's going to hold the ball and drag it up the pitch 40 yards he, he, he needs it there and thereabouts let's be fair to him you mentioned Woody obviously I do want to get onto Woody a bit but no, this is no criticism of Woody. It's a, again a criticism of the system that that was played. He looked so isolated, didn't he, against against a very poor Sheffield United team. And to, to say, that was another criminal aspect of this formation. You're isolating what's been your best player for the last six to eight weeks. Who scored the most goals? Who's dragged us sort of like out of the position that we were in because he's done a, had a decent partnership with another striker who you've dropped completely. And Woody just looked lost. He looked really, really lost for me in that yeah. game. Absolutely, but I think every single star player in that squad, when you whoever you want to mention, Tarkovsky to McNeil to Wood, um, all of them look, look jaded is probably the word I'll use. Um, and rightly so, it's been a hell, hell of a season and we've got the smallest squad in the Premier League. I think that's a, a fact. I don't think it's even a question. Um, and I think you've just got to say the job was done and since then, we've we've just thought, fuck it. <laughs> Maybe we'll yeah. just thought, fuck it. The job has been done. I'm not saying it's the last day of half term, you don't give a shit, and you're going home and that's it. I think you're always thinking of the next term, but you just kind of think you've got one eye on, on what you're doing next week. And if you are a striker, like Chris Wood, who might not have seen his family for 12 months or whatever it's been in COVID, uh, for, who all live in New Zealand, yeah. And they might be meeting halfway. You don't want to be going there with a fucking torn hamstring or uh, a broken foot because you've been going under mile an hour when there's absolutely no need to risk yourself. Uh, yeah. Mark he's got half a foot. I'm not saying he had a foot, but half a foot in a potential 33-man squad. For thing, he genuinely did have half a foot. Is he thinking, I don't want to get injured? Nick Pope, look what happened to him. It's always in the back of the minds. I'm not... Vidra, same thing. You know what I mean? He came yeah, he's up. obviously going to the Euros, isn't he, as well? Shout out to Vidra, who's got into the squad. So, yeah, so like I said, it's impossible to not be human in these scenarios and think of what is coming up. Yeah, I I do think that's an aspect of it, um, but I think it is 
as we've already mentioned, they've got they've hit the target and they've just naturally took the foot off the gas. I don't even think it's a conscious decision to take the no, foot off the gas. Even, I, I just yeah. think that, yeah, exactly. They've naturally just yeah. the relief of hitting that target. And of course, we all heard about this sort of like the Ashley Barnes situation with the with the uh, the police and the drink driving and stuff. So that just goes to show the mentality of the players like they hit that target and they had the little celebration because apparently the celebration was taking place on the team bus according to reports and things like that in the tabloids so that could not be true to be fair um so but as i said obviously a few beers were drank as ashley's been proven um so it's i think that shows the mentality of the players yeah it could have been it could have been whiskeys i don't know um, but I think I think that shows the mentality of the players, and I'm not criticising that. Like some people have, they've gone, oh, that just shows the mentality. They're safe and they're happy. Well, yeah, that that really? is that is with the, the season like this. Yeah, that is that is that is the target. That has been the when, target all season. So when that, you've got three more games, when you've got three more games to play after being safe mathematically, nine points is making zero difference. It doesn't matter what their mentality is. Nine points, even with the biggest drive in the world, will make zero difference to our season. We will end up being a survival season, no matter what. Um, so it doesn't. The mentality doesn't come into it for me. It is job done, survival, and you would be not human if you didn't think to yourself, "Fucking hell, mate! We can't go on holiday as as normal people, if you want to call us that." We out packing your best clothes a week before because you think, well, "I don't want to wear them in case I, I, I ruin them before me holiday." So I'm not, I'm not having that. You're going to run under miles an hour and risk pulling hamstrings and not being able to go somewhere because when there's no need to do it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, let's get into the goal then. Um, probably the only sort of like bit of criticism that I'm really going to start talking about is Will Norris and the goal. Um, so it's McGoldrick with the goal, isn't it? And he's, he's picked, it's a similar one to one of the Leeds goals. The backing off it up. Yeah, he picks it up just inside his own half, right? And then there's no one anywhere near him. Um, Lawton is probably just about the nearest, but I won't say it's his man. No, because uh, I think West is running back, going off memory. Yeah, West is running back, but he's nowhere near him. I think West. I think he's got past West there. I think the, pro the problem is this, this shot starts too late, so you can't see. But he's got the ball, and there's no one anywhere near him. So then Lawton follows him in, but then a player goes out wide, so... Lawton, sorry, um, gets distracted and goes out to him because that probably is now his man. So he's trying to cover his man. And now there's literally no one within eight yards of him. Tarky's backing off. Jimmy Dunn's even further away than he needs it's to be. Jimmy Dunn's got himself. In my memory. Yeah, it's a, yeah, well, it's I just I just think there's a lot, there's not enough players around him at this point, but he's he's not getting past them, and there's no one anywhere near him. And he's not getting past him. Lawton, Lawton, sorry, has now got back to cover his man. Tarky's turn to face. Jimmy Dunn is starting to turn to face. That was my criticism there. I think he did get himself in a bit of a mess because he didn't know which way he was going to go. But again, he's not going to get past Jimmy Dunn. Then he just thinks, fuck it, I'll hit it. 99 times out of 100, Nick Pope saves that shot. I'll even go as far as saying 100 times out of 100. But for whatever reason... Will Norris doesn't, and he gets down. He goes down slowly. Whether Jimmy Dunn's unsighting him, don't know if I'm going to be too uh, too unfair on him. I'm not sure. Jimmy Dunn could be unsighting him. I'm not sure he is, to be fair. Um, and Norris concedes a goal, and Tarky did not look happy um, on that. No, oh, yeah, my beer machine might be making noise in the background. I apologise. Um, yeah, no, he, he, they were backing off. Jimmy Dunn was a mile off. He was giving him 
sort of like he was on the half turn as if to say this guy is fucking Raheem Sterling running at him. No, yeah. I'm not criticizing. He got himself in a mess, did Jimmy? I think. I think I, yeah. he didn't know which way he was going to go. Then he's turning one way, he's turning the other. And because of that, he's not in line with Tarke. He's too deep. But again, he's not going to get past him. No. And I still think, as much as I've got started on Jimmy Dunn's problems there, I still think I would encourage that shot from there. I genuinely would. Now, my lad's a keeper. I refer to this all the time. But if, if someone was shooting from outside the box, I expect my kids to save it. And. The, the, even from that point, I expect him to have a shot and be all right with it. It's either going to hit me, go wide, or keeper's got it. That's my scenario. I do not consider a goal being an option from that position, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just... It, it's. I agree. I think I think Poppy saves that. I think the players are potentially playing with that in mind because they're used to being Poppy there, uh, having Poppy there, sorry. I mean, Tarky's reaction says it all for me. Um, I'll just quickly go back to it. So McGoldrick hits it, goes in the net, Tarky immediately and in the air, throws it down. I'm mean, not saying he's kicking off with him and, and going mental at him and saying, ah, oh, you shitbag keeper. Obviously, he's more professional than that. But I think I think you can see the disappointment in Tarky there for me. Absolutely, mate. But you said it yourself, and I've said it there from my opinion. This is what I would expect. You said it 99 times out of 100. He's probably going wide. Or is it in one of the objects in front I think, of him? I think Pope, uh, uh, if that shot's yeah. the exact same, always on target, no matter what, I think Popey saves that 99 times out of 100. The other time is when he's injured or whatever. Yep, no, I agree, mate. And um, I just think it's one of them. But this is what I referred to right at the beginning of the podcast, mate. When that shot goes in, it's a case of Sheffield United don't know whether to attack or defend. We can't unlock their... Excuse me, we can't unlock their defence because the system doesn't suit us against that team. Yeah, I think I was after that goal was in. They, they were shit up until that goal. So, so were we. Um, we had a chance through a corner. I think it was Woody, headed wide, if I remember rightly. But not, not, no team were creating anything. And then no, no team created anything for the rest of the game. It was easily the most boring game of the season. I'm not just saying that because of the result. To watch, it was a slog. The season, ultimately, we've succeeded in our aim of staying up and, uh, and because of the, the factors this season, lack of investment, COVID, all that stuff, I think ultimately that was always the number one goal, as it always is, but more so this season. Push on I again next season, invest. But that I game found, was so bad. I, I, can't, I cannot agree with you more, mate. I found that game more boring than when Tuchel took over fucking Chelsea and they had the ball for like 95% of the game. Yeah. And... Suffocated us and then got the goals and it just opened us up. We did. I don't think we saw any anything in there half the majority of that game, and I found that more entertaining as a Burnley fan than I did this one. This this was just one of them games, and uh, the fact that it's last game of the season and we're safe, I suppose, is a lucky thing, really. Yeah, no, um, but like you say, it probably wouldn't have been that sort of game. If, if we, went, if, yeah. we if we if if we needed to win it, um, but ultimately it was boring. And, and shout out to everybody who did watch the watch along. Um, me and Simon appreciate it. Probably was also a boring watch along because of the boring game. I don't um, think the stars say that, mate. 
True, we did get some more stars and another shout out to everybody who helped me get to 500 subscribers on YouTube. There was a thing in the stream um, where I seem to remember um, Bethany, um, Bethany Whitelair, I can't remember. Um, apologies if that's that's not your last name, I haven't got it in front of me. I think it is. Uh, was sort of like logging into a mum's YouTube and a sister's YouTube, subscribing to loads of different things and then you've got other people doing things, other people saying, yeah, I'll head over there and now unsubscribe because they're watching on Facebook. So shout out to everybody who did that. We're on 502 subscribers now, so... If you are listening or watching this on something that isn't YouTube or you are and you, and you haven't subscribed yet, please make sure you do um, the socials at the bottom of your screen now if you want to give us a follow on all of them. There you go. That was a perfect segue. So if you are listening on the podcast, it's just Turfcast TV on YouTube. Uh, just Google it on YouTube. Is that a thing? Just, just search it on YouTube. That's what I should be saying. And, uh, and you will find it. Um, but I think we'll obviously just discuss sort of like where we finished in the league table then obviously 17th disappointing 39 points disappointing and that's the thing that annoys me the fact that we haven't even gone to 40 points this season annoys me a little bit however we've stayed up and that's that's all that matters newcastle by the way finished 12th that's mad that this is, mad. is it though but like them their fan base the press everybody criticizing newcastle to to high heaven and would that nine points, if we'd have gotten from the last three games against a very good Liverpool side, you know, irrelevant of their season, they still finished third, I think it was in the end, um, against a Leeds that, uh, you know, the press are adoring, they're playing good football, they opened us up ridiculously. And then against the Sheffield United. So realistically, there's only, a, for me, you could have got four points, potentially six at a push if you'd have beat Leeds at home. That, that were a six point. But would that have made a difference? No, we'd have been up like where Newcastle is. But everyone still thinks that Newcastle had a shit season. Yeah. Everyone yeah. still thinks that the crap. So it doesn't merely mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And that's what I was referring to earlier on. I think what it, it goes, I think someone put a stat up and again, don't have it in front of me. But I think with when we had Pope, Target and Ben Mee, our form was actually pretty decent. But the games where we've been, or sorry, the periods of time where we've been shite, which is the start of the season and the end of the season, a couple of patches in between where one of them's been missing. Obviously, Tarky and Ben didn't start the start of the season. Pope has missed a few games at the end and obviously Ben missed the last game as well. We were terrible. I think I don't think we won one game when one of them was missing, or we only won one. I can't remember, but it's it's very, very different. So I think if we have them three fit all season. We're finishing above Newcastle in twelfth, and we may be potentially knocking the door of uh, of top ten again. Yeah, so it's fine margins. And I don't want to go full Sean Dash, but it is it is fine margins. I suppose it brings us on to it. But that, like Dash said in his press conference, that we need to add depth to our squad this summer. That, that we need to add numbers is is the phrase he actually used, yeah. um, and that is the proof in exactly what you're saying there. That once you take one of the eleven out, we seem to fall to pieces. Um, and whatever you think of the 11 that are in there, because everyone will have the people that they think, oh, they're not good enough anymore. They're not good. Enough. Well, when they're one of them's missing, it shows massively whoever that person is. Um, yeah. And we do need that depth. Yeah, especially especially the, the main three. It's obviously Pop, 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 Tarky, and, and Ben Me. If one of them three are out, we are nowhere near good enough. Um, but yeah, that's it then for the, um, the Sheffield United review. Obviously, we don't have a game to look forward to now until August, which is, um, well, depends on your thought process of the season. Obviously, some of us will need a break. I think I'll need a break after that Sheffield United game. Uh, but we will have the Euros, so Turfcast will be doing some things for the Euros as well. 
Um, but that brings us on to the England squad, which was announced on the day of recording this. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so the England squad was released on Tuesday. Well, the provisional England squad, because there's a few players playing in the Champions League and things like that, so he doesn't want to name his official squad yet. So he's done a provisional squad, and then he's going to trim six players out of it. Um, no Tarkovsky, which I'm not surprised about in the slightest, and that's not no reflection on Tarkovsky, obviously, that's because of Southgate clearly doesn't like him. Um, and I don't mean personally, I just mean in football in terms, uh, before we go on full agenda conspiracy thing. Um, but it also, I think the main one was the news we all kind of knew, but we'll wait until the squad come out, is that is that Pope is clearly missing out. So, no Burnley players in the squad this tournament. Yeah, no, I mean, if I'm honest with you, Tarky had half a foot in it. I do think he's in there over Ben White, in my opinion. I think that I agree with that. I think he's in there over Ben White. I still don't rate Mings. I know he's been there for so long, yeah. and people forget that. I, really I don't mind. Cordy. I don't mind Cordy, but I still have Tarky in above him. Yeah, I still have Tarky in above him. Statistics, mate. Look at the who scored thing that you shared the other day. Is it top one of the top defenders in the country? Never mind. Uh, the two, English. the only two English defenders in that were Wambasaka and Tarke. They didn't, but neither, neither of them got in it. Uh, and and I find that the, the Wambasaka one, I don't agree with either. But I can see the problem there because of the amount of wing. There's backs so there. many right backs. There's, There's so, so many, many right good backs. ones as well. That top yeah. top ones. Um, but Ben White, Connor Cordy, Tyrone Mings are all much a muchness. Um. And I think that Tarkovsky does get in there for me above Ben White, definitely above Conor Cordy this season, definitely above Tyrone Mings. In, in, in I, respect. I do not. I, I know. It's, I know he's been in the squad for ages now, and I'm sick of debating it. But I don't get the fascination with Tyrone Mings. I do not rate him in the slightest. I, I know it's. I know it's because he's better with the ball at his feet, and that's what Southgate likes. But I don't even think he's that good with the ball at his feet. I think. I think the problem is, is a lot of people just think Tarky's shy with the ball at his feet because he plays in a Burnley side that doesn't do it. But when he's had to do it, when he's had to do it, he's done it well. And then if you want to go further now, let's go into Burnley players that are in the squad that haven't even been mentioned. I think that there's no one really that can say, I mean, I'd say Tarkovsky is the biggest one, apart from Pope, who's injured. Take him out of the equation. Pope is the main one. Then it's Tarkovsky. Um, so they're not in it. Now you go to former Clarets that we mentioned earlier on the chat. Um, yeah. Danny Ings could get yeah. in there for me. I think he should it, be. He in should there. be in there for me. Above all, Ollie Watkins. Ings is better than Ollie Watkins. I know. I know Watkins had a good season. A difficult one with Ollie Watkins, but I think that there's midfielders like I would look at because if you actually look at the strikers, I think there's only four. But I think if you go further down than that, there's midfielders. That yeah, there's forwards in there. That's the difference yeah. now. There's there's forwards. Um, so That's I think Sterling's there's a lot of forwards that could come out uh, for Danny Ings. I think he deserves a place. Um, Michael Keane. Michael Keane's got Keane. to be in there. I think Michael I, Michael Keane yeah, yeah. Michael Keane should be in there. The fact that he's not in there is an absolute, unless I've misread it. Trent, Chilwell, Corey, Godfrey. So Godfrey's going from Everton and, and Keane isn't. James, Maguire, Mings, Shaw, Stones, Trippier, Walker and Ben White. There, I'm sorry, Ben White isn't even the best central defender at Godfrey. Brighton. It's Dunk. Yeah, exactly. Godfrey's played better for Everton on the right mid, uh, right back position than he has in the centre-back position. Uh, you, Everton that, fan Owen will be listening to this. I'm sure he'll get in touch. Um, I, but for I, me, ask him, I, I agree. I put my life on it that he's played better as a right back than he is a centre-back. Um, and then 
going further than that, Patrick Bamford, irrelevant if you want to accept this, but he was a Claret fan. He was a Claret once over there. Um, could he have been in it? Above Ings, probably not. But yeah, I won't have him in it. But it, it's one of them, though, isn't it? Like he said at the start of his England campaign, and I know it doesn't count anymore because he's clearly gone back on that a long time ago, although not officially. But he always said he'd pick people on form. On if form. you're picking people on form, Bamford's got to be at least in the provisional. I don't know why he hasn't put him in the provisional to then yeah. cut him to say, like, oh, nearly. But I don't well, know. I, 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 I do have a problem with Bamford because I don't think he's good enough. I think you put a good player in that lead side, they're scoring a lot more than Bamford. He misses so many chances. Do you know but what, statistically, right? statistically, like you say, he's, he's, he's done well this season. I, were it Kieran in the chat that said he's the highest scoring Englishman other than Harry Kane in the league this season? Not only oh, that, oh. mate, he is the, the, he's got a higher conversion rate of chances, believe this or not, than Harry Kane. Has he really? He actually has, right? Now, that shocks me to my core because I don't yeah. even want to admit it. But it, it, I've that, seen Bamford miss a lot of chances. And it depends can on, I, I guess, what they call that, that chance. Sport that mentioned that this morning. So if it's wrong, it's TalkSport that told me. Yeah, so there you go. It's Simon's fault for subscribing to TalkSport on YouTube and watching the... Um, the Jim White Show Live uh, on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, uh, what? I mean, Danny Ings has had a very good season. I think the problem with Ings he has is had a lot of injuries. Um, so I think with Southgate, you need to be in in and around the squad a lot and in and around the system a lot to be able to to break I into think, his side. I think with, Ing with Southgate, you have to be a number nine or a winger. That's it. Yeah. You, you don't play with anything. He plays with two line deep. And the rest are wingers. Yeah. So if you like Danny Ings, who's a four a centre forward, and he, I know he's a he's, he's a number he's a number nine, I suppose, on paper, but he's a proper striker for me. Uh, yeah, Harry is more of a number nine. Yeah. And then you ain't going to get in over Harry Kane. Let's no, be fair. So you're not. But you could easily. I know what you mean because obviously he plays he plays Kane as a main central striker, and then. Sancho and Sterling or whoever uh, are off, off him on, on the wings and stuff. So I see your point. But if you need somebody who knows where the net is or if the ball, you want someone just to, to do a pot shot when the ball falls yeah. from in the area, you can easily take one of them two off, stick Ingsy on alongside Kane and then maybe tell Foden to go more further yeah. forward or whatever. Ings is in my squad. I'm not debating yeah. that. I'm just, I'm, I'd I'm take him all day. All day. Yeah, I'm arguing the Bamford versus Ings sort of scenario. Um, I'd Marco Keane all day as well. Yeah, I do not understand. I, 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 a, a few people will might crucify me, but I still prefer Marco Keane over pretty much Tarkovsky, I think. He's, he's done so well at Everton, I think. He's, he had a slow start. I, I'd have loved to have seen Tarky and, uh, and Keane playing together. No disrespect to Ben Me. A lot of people do yeah, see he's the glue that holds it together. That following list is going down. <laughs> Fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I really like Michael Keane. He's a brilliant centre-half. He, he can be very... He can feel very hard done to, I think. To say that Godfrey's got in, and I don't mind Godfrey. He's a good defender, to be fair. I don't really have any qualms in being in the squad. But Ben White, he's okay. I do like Ben White, but I don't know how he gets in above Keane or Tarkovsky. That's the problem. If if it was just based on Ben White, I'd say, yeah, fair enough, he's done well. Get him in, like, get him at provisional. But it's not just about that. It's about Michael Keane's missed out and so is James Tarkovsky. And Dunk, who's who's played in the same side as you and he's a better defender than you. So I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I know Southgate likes his younger players, so maybe that's the route he's been going down as well. 
I'm not sure. No, disappointing is a summary, really, for Burnley fans, Burnley players past and present. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Burnley players past and present, Tom Eaton looking though he's going to have his move to Man United in the next few days. Obviously, it's been released today on Twitter, thanks to John Cross at the Mirror. And then Fabio, the transfer guy, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. He's uh, he's come out on Orient the last couple of years and now he's massive. He's like the biggest transfer guy on Twitter. Uh, but they've both sort of like said this week that um, Eaton will be signing probably for Man United in the next couple of days. So by the time you're listening to this on Thursday, or if you're a Patreon subscriber on Wednesday, he could have already he could have already signed. Uh, not that I'm sure when the transfer window actually opens, to be fair. So maybe not. But um, congratulations to Tom, obviously. Uh, I think you saw him a couple of days ago, cut his hair recently. So I presume he's he was well. I'm not sure how much he he, he does give away, Tom. To be fair, um, but I'm sure next time you see him, he's definitely going to be buzzing. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. He, he will wherever he goes, he will fancy himself. I mean, you could, whatever opinion we have of where he's going and why he's going, I guarantee you, my opinion of him is he will he will fancy himself wherever he goes. Um. I think he's a hamstring away from being number one again at Villa. Literally, once I think he gets that number one shirt back for yeah. a you know a success of games, you you ain't taking it off him without an injury, in my opinion. Uh, so I think he'll fancy himself wherever he goes. Um, I am buzzing for him. We had this com- I had this conversation a few weeks with him uh, a few weeks ago with him, saying, "Wouldn't it be good if someone like Man United come?" And you could do a full circle. You know, he started at United as a junior. Yeah. Did, did his bit there, went out, done the full circle. And to finish at United, I said, wouldn't that be unbelievable? So to hear it coming out, that it's a potential, then to see it's probable, um, it, it, he's fantastic. He's a great guy. He led this club through some great times, a great leader, and he deserves his chance. And hopefully he gets a, a shot at a few first-team games, if not, in the cups and the Champions Leagues and stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, even if he doesn't break into the first team squad because Henderson stays or the Gay stays or whatever, it sounds like one of them two is leaving. To be fair, so he's only going to be number two rather than number three or even four. Like Lee Grant has been. I'd recently. say one and a half. Like I say, I, I think he'd fancy so. Yeah, he will do. But I think obviously in the terms of social, I think he's there as, as backup. But I, I understand that Eaton will back himself, and I back him as well, especially if he did get the shirt. But he's definitely going to be playing in the Europa League. Well, Champions League as they're in next season. Carabao Cup and FA Cup, so he's definitely going to get some game time. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite. Obviously, I've only met him a few times through yourself, but yeah, I'm, I am buzzing with him. You have to get yourself a, a United shirt, but I'm not sure it'll look very good on the podcast behind you there. I've already, I've already <laughs> um, Kevin Trippier as well, La Liga champion. He's only the fourth Englishman ever um, in the history of La Liga um, to win the competition. So hats off to Trippier. Obviously, it's been on the cards for a few weeks, but the title race was very, very close. All they had to do was win on the last day, uh, playing Valor the lead, I think it was. Um, yeah. But yeah, they won. Valor the lead got relegated because of it, but who cares? Uh, Kieran Trippier is a La Liga champion. So, buzzing for trips. Yeah, I watched it. Buzzing. Uh, and a few nerves at the beginning. Coming off the bench, mate. Um, not not Trippier. I mean, the nerves were coming off the bench. I could see it in Simeone. Yeah. He got that goal back, and then the smiles started coming from the bench. I, like I said, I watched the game. Soon as uh, that goal went in, I know it's not their podcast, so I'll, I'll quickly go for it. You, you just knew um, they were going to win. You just knew yeah. as soon as that one-one comeback. Um, but Real Madrid, they won. weren't enough in the end. No, okay. I've never been a massive fan of Real Madrid. Anyway, more of a Barca guy. But 
Madrid is now red, as Trippier put on the, uh, Twitter. And I see you've been painting the city red. So congratulations to Trips. Congratulations to Duff. Congratulations to Tom. Congratulations to Arfield. They've all done very, very well in the last few weeks. Uh, the boys have done good. Um, boys that have also done good are, are the lads that will be in the nominations for the Player of the Year. So let's get into the Player of the Year. The club will be doing their live stream on Friday night. We will be watching it. Um, I will be on Twitter and stuff talking about it. Might even do uh, sort of like a sort of roundup of the podcast next week or whatever. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. Um, but yeah, let's go into it then. So we've got the Player of the Year awards. What I'm going to do is I've got a list of some of the awards in front of me. Obviously, yep. some of them I won't ask you because the eSports Player of the Year, I don't even know. There's a lad called Brad. Brad. Brad yeah, that's it. There's a lad called Brad. That's all I know. So he, he I, 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 I don't even know if he still plays for him. I, I think I think oh, he got yeah. knocked out of a tournament this year or something. I don't know how it works. Still my uh, player, mate. I don't know anyone else. Yeah, there you go. Uh, fair enough. I'm giving that to Brad. So is Simon. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through the awards. On, some then. of them. I don't even know what some of them are. Um, the Centurion Award, what's that? I don't know. I'm sure I could find out if I wanted to, but we don't plan this podcast. Players that have had 100 uh, caps. Well, ah, well, there's plenty of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's not an award. That's just factual. Um, yeah. Anyway, right. Player of the Year, who are you giving it to? I know we discussed it on the watch along, but we have yeah. a different crowd. So let's tell the podcast and vodcast viewers who you are giving the Player of the Year to this season. It, it It's a difficult one. Um, but it's between I, I can't give you a winner, but it's between Chris Wood oh, he's and sitting Lawton. on the fence. He's sitting Chris on Wood the fence, Lawton, he's got splinters me. in his ass. Chris Wood and Lawton, you're going for. I'm gonna go for Ben Me. Um, reasoning what's your reasoning for giving it either of them to Chris Wood deserves more praise. You know, I know he had a bit of a dip in form in the middle, but where his dip in form was, was where other players were out injured anyway. For example, the, the amount of games he's played poor is probably the amount of games that maybe Ben Mee's missed. Um, so for the overall season on that term, I think he's the top goal scorer again for the fourth year. I think he deserves an accolade of something like player of the year for that. Lawton, I think since his contract's been signed, um, since this season, probably the most improved out of all the 11 since in comparison to last season, the amount of goals uh, that have been you know, created chances, created sorry. Um, consistently, I think he's had two games that I can think of that you might think, fucking hell, and maybe some people give him an hard time. But other yeah. than that, mate, he's been brilliant. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about that. He had a poor game recently against, was it United? I can't remember. Oh, and the entire no. Burnley fan base no, were, I can't remember what game it were. Uh, might not be United, but the entire Burnley fan base were, get rid of this idiot. He's, he's been the most consistent, one of the most consistent players this season for me. So why would you want to get rid of him? I understand the ages on his side and stuff, and I would like to sign a right back myself, but I wouldn't drop Lawton for him. I'd say, right, that's your target. You need to get him out the side. And in a couple of years, then when Lawton goes back to Chestfield or whatever he does or, or whatever or retires at Burnley. Um, and then he's then he slots into it. Like I said, for me, I'm going Ben Mee simply because if you look at the form at the start of the season when Ben Mee wasn't playing um, and in the games where we haven't had Ben Mee, um, we've, we've, it's been clear that we've missed him. Um, even when Tarky was back and Ben Mee wasn't, we still really weren't firing. We didn't really look like Burnley. Then when Ben Mee comes back, I, th I think I don't necessarily think it's just his qualities as a footballer. I think Please. it's his organisation skills and his, yeah, his leadership and his captaincy. I think that's what we miss. 
Um, so I do think he's sort of become like the glue that holds the team together. Um, so I think that deserves some sort of award for me. Who do I think will get it? I want Ben Me, but I think Woody will get it, to be honest. I think more more people seem to be going, leaning towards Woody. Um, so I think I think Woody's going to get it, but I would go for Ben Me. Let us know in the comments below what you'd go for. Um, players, player of the year, irrelevant. We're not a player, so it doesn't matter. Um, goal of the season. I think there's only one winner here, isn't there? Who are you no. going to go for? No, there's you're two. not going for McNeil at Everton. Right. There's two. There's McNeil versus Everton, which is possibly the best individual goal. Yeah. There is Matt Warren, which is the best team goal with a, with a great finish. So it's like... was a good effort, actually, now you mention it. And 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 a credible shout-out to Brownhills at Millwall. Yeah, but that one is definitely up there because it was a cup game. It gets kind of pushed under yeah, the exactly. Yeah, exactly. People forget about it, don't they? Yeah. But um, for me, 100%, it's a toss of a coin between Lawton's goal, which was a contender for goal of the month, as well as um, Brownell, uh, Brownell's, fucking hell, sorry, as well as McNeil's. But McNeil's individually was fantastic. and I, But I think that because of the team aspect of the other goal, it makes it an equal contender. Yeah, yeah, I'm going for McNeil. It just—it's not just the goal; it's the fact he picks the ball up, he's back to goal, comes in, skins the Everton player, and then just—you can't put it any more postage stamp. You can't get any more in the top bins as to what McNeil did at Goodison Park that day. That has to be the goal of the season for me. I can't. If anyone else, I'd understand the Lawton one. I'd understand the Browner one. But it, it, I, wants, I, he has he picks the ball in his own half. Yeah, initially. So that's it does because I, I remember he does a one-two with somebody, doesn't he? And, and just bulldozes a a Palace player out of the way. I can't remember it was Townsend. I can't remember. Um, and then an absolute rocket of a of a half volley at the time, or whatever one, it was. It's an hard one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but McNeil for me, I think that's pretty much it. Because all the rest of them are just um, magic moments of the season. Um, you know what? If Lawton doesn't get it for his thing, I don't understand what the what the criteria for that one is because there's no link so I can't I can't have a look and see what it is but if I could choose a magic moment of the season uh, the Lawton goal that you mentioned I think that one because it was Lawton scoring his first goal for Burnley and his first goal since that Villa one he only scores screamers does Matty Louts um, so I think that one um I don't know. Could, that, I don't know what the criteria is. The fans coming back? Is that a but magic I, moment? But I imagine it's something like when Ben Mee headed that ball off the line. Do you know, things like that. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think things like that. Fair enough. Um, and that's pretty much it then. Um, because under 23s, under 18s, Centurion, that's a factual one. Not paid enough attention to the 23s and under 18s, to be honest with her. Chairman's community champion. Uh, that's probably going to go to Ben Mee because he tends to do a lot of... Oh, yeah. um, oh you want to get that? No. Because <laughs> he tends to... I, I know Ben Mee's just won some off the PFA for his charity work, so it's probably going to go to Ben Mee, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, just looking more... Yeah, top goal scorer. Woody's obviously going to win that one. Goal of the season. We've done that one. Chairman's community champion mentioned it. Women's player. We do want to do. We do want to pay more attention to the women's game, but it's not as accessible as the men's game. I think uh, we do need to make it more accessible. But also, the new board have said that they're going to be doing so. Good point. That we should maybe get a panelist on for the women's things. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can actually watch it ourselves a bit easier. I, I, 
I think they play at Paddy, I can't remember. Um, she's just down the road for me, to be fair. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd like to be able to stream it uh, and keep up to date, more up to date with it on, on the club website. They might already be out there. I've just I've just not actually seen it. It's not in your face as much as uh, some of the other stuff is. So um, we'll see. So I don't know anyone to give for that one. But that's who we'll give for the um, Player of the Year Awards, which are taking place on Friday. And we'll be putting updates and stuff on Twitter like we usually do. Um, I think that's it. Is that, have we yeah. done everything? Have we covered everything? Eaten? Yep. Trips? Yep. England, Sheffield United Chambles, lacklustre performance to end a lacklustre season, um, which I think sums it up brilliantly. Um, but that's it for me. That's it from Simon. Uh, if you haven't already, please do follow us on other social media channels. They are at the bottom of your screen now if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Um, if you're listening on the podcast and you want to know where they are, it's Turfcast Podcast on Twitter, Turfcast Podcast on Facebook, Turfcast Podcast on Instagram, and you guessed it, Turfcast podcast on YouTube. It's actually Turfcast TV now. I just haven't updated that graphic. But if you search Turfcast podcast, it would come up anyway. Um, one thing I quickly do want to mention, actually, before we leave, is Heath from New Zealand Clarets has been in touch this week again. And he says, by the way, uh, there's a few of the New Zealand Clarets meeting up three weeks from now for the England versus Scotland game. Chris Wood's parents, Grant and Julie, are coming along to meet the lads and have a drink with us. Should be a rate laugh. So you are in the New Zealand area. Um, it doesn't say where, unfortunately. But if you are in the New Zealand area, it's a big area, to be fair. But if you are in the New Zealand area, get in touch with the New Zealand Clarets on If you're in the New Zealand Facebook, area, on Facebook, on Facebook, Heath, Heath is in the New Zealand area, as is Martin, the, the two Heath, lads that come on there. Heath's New Zealand Claret. There is not. It there is. He knows them all. He does, but someone might be listening to this podcast now in the New Zealand area. I so search you. New Zealand Clarets on Facebook you know and then search um, and get in touch, find out where it is. I guarantee you, can meet you, parents. you know more New Zealand Clarets than we do. I guarantee it. Probably. Yeah. So get in touch with Heath. He'll tell you where it is. You can meet Chris Wood's parents. Uh, but that's it for me. That's it from Simon. Um, another thing, uh, we do now have a Patreon um, so if you haven't signed up to it already, please make sure you do. Just head to patreon.com forward slash turfcast. You will get benefits, such as money off at the shop, early podcast release, early vodcast release, and more things coming soon over the summer. We do have a product in manufacture. We are ready to open the Turfcast shop. Simon knows what it is. It should be getting delivered to my house within the next two weeks. So hopefully the Turfcast shop will be open soon. And if you are a subscriber of the Patreon channel, you can get, I can't remember what it is. It's either 10, 15 or 20% off. You are buying one as a gift. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that doesn't make sense, but there you go. Uh, so the shop will be open soon. We will be having a season break at some point, but I'm pro we'll probably do a podcast next week. Maybe to discuss a player of the year. If not, it'll be in two weeks. Just keep your eyes on the social channels. We will obviously always update you on there. As well. That's it from me. That's it from Simon. And we will see you when we see you. Thanks for listening. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.